0: The Canby Spotlight. Hello, and thank you for joining us for this episode of the Canby Spotlight. Having trained our sites on the impact of the repeal of PASPA in the United States in our last outing, uh, this time around, we'll be looking at the subject of sports betting integrity and how proactivity and collaboration between sports betting industry stakeholders is the key to protecting sports, athletes, bettors, and regulators from the threat of sporting manipulation. Uh, I'm Tom Lewis, a PR and communications manager here at Canby. And I'm joined today by two individuals who couldn't be better placed to discuss this particular topic. Uh, We've got Oliver Lamb, who's SVP of Product Compliance here at Canby. Uh, Thanks for joining us, Ollie. Um, Would you mind giving us uh, just a brief introduction to both yourself and uh, your role?
1: So, as you say, it's Oliver Lamb here. I've been working in the betting industry for around 20 years now, the last six of those with Canby. I've always been working in the operational integrity field, and every role I've worked in. As Canby, we have over 25 operators across. Close to forty regulations. So really, day to day for me, it's ensuring that we're complying with the rules and regulations in each of those reg- in each of those countries.
0: Good stuff. Well, thanks again for joining us. Also with us today is uh, Matt Fowler, who's uh, director of integrity at the International Betting Integrity Association. Matt, it's great to have you with us. Same question to you, really. Please, could you uh, just take us through your time in the industry, uh, your work with the IBIA, and uh, what the IBIA does.
2: Yeah, Hi, Tommy. Yeah, firstly, thanks for the invite today. Looking forward to speaking uh, on all things integrity. But as you say, I'm, I'm Matt Fowler. I'm the Director of Integrity at the International Best in Integrity Association. I actually joined Esther as it was then just over four years ago, similar to Ollie, really. Background in the industry prior to that, I spent 10 years at, a, at a Paddy Power Betfair in a variety of, of integrity roles. And yeah, moving on to, to IBIA, yeah, uh, many people recall our, our previous name, which was ESSA. Uh, we were set up, set up, sorry, all the way back in 2005, so a number of years back. And in effect, we represent the regulated betting industry on integrity issues. So we have around 30 members globally, all who are regulated betting operators. And between them, I think they operate approaching 80 different brands now. Uh, it's probably important to stress that we're a not-for-profit, so... Uh, Each year we agree a strategy and budget, and then the cost of running the association is equally divided by the operators who who fund the association via a a membership fee. And I think we'll cover a couple of the areas of our work in in more detail later on, but the three key aims we have as an association is firstly to combat betting corruption and and to protect the integrity of sport, and also the associated betting markets via our monitoring and alert platform, and that's something I think we'll get into in a little bit bit more detail uh, later on. And the two other main areas we focus on is promoting good governance and, and evidence-based decision-making. So an example of that would be responding to consultations if it's a particular country or jurisdictions looking to regulate gambling, then we would respond on behalf of the regulated sector. And then thirdly, we're involved in a number of different research and education programs as well. Uh, examples would be a number of partnerships we've had where we've co-funded education of athletes around the do's and don'ts of sports betting, inside information, and uh, that kind of thing.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you both very much for joining us. To get cracking, then, it'd be great to hear from both of you really about the topic of integrity as a whole and uh, why protecting the integrity of global sports is so important to the betting industry. Perhaps, uh, perhaps, Ollie, if we could start with you.
1: Sure. I mean, on a, on a basic business level, I mean, Cambio only has a sports betting vertical. It's uh, it's our bread and butter. So, ensuring that the events that we offer are safe and secure is absolutely paramount. Simply to the business, but beyond that, of course, well, firstly, myself, everybody that works at be we're big sports fans. That's how you get into industries. industry. So I've definitely got a vested personal interest in making sure that the, the sports that we know and love uh, are clean. But also it's, it's beyond that, the bigger picture of the what we call I guess, the wider ecosystem. One of our first commitments would be to consumers, people who are betting on these events to ensure that we're doing all that we can to to flag anything suspicious. And beyond that, to hopefully not offer to them anything that we believe may well be suspicious in the first place. And giving that same commitment to the operators who partner with us and the regulators who give us licences. So definitely multifaceted, but it all comes down to, to protecting sports, essentially.
0: Absolutely. So, Matt, we could uh, get your take on that topic as well. Why uh, protecting the integrity of sports so important both to you know, the, the betting industry and to the
2: sports themselves? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I echo everything Ollie said. I think the key message really is everyone's interests are aligned in, in this area. You know, regulated operators invest in significant amounts in, in getting their odds as accurate as they can, their risk management systems. And ultimately, if there's a manipulation or a fraud for betting purposes, then the victims are actually the regulated operators. And, and importantly, they're genuine customers, as as Ollie mentioned as well. They're also the victims of, of a fraud uh, when that occurs. And I think there's been some misconceptions in the past about who ultimately is a victim when an event's corrupted. You know, the regulated industry actually cost some money on, on their bottom line. So as well as it being a morally the right thing to do to try and focus on this and with sport of corruption, it's also in their interest to do so. And I think that's why many of them have, have signed up uh, with, with our network as well and uh, and they get the benefits of, of sharing that information. But as Ollie said, ultimately, it's the right thing to do. You know, as sports fans, we want to see events that we trust, that customers can trust, that the sports can trust. And in that respect, everyone is is genuinely aligned on that.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Of course, the the IBIA has um, a, a huge number of operators that are, are now signed up to the association. In terms of how it's kind of its monitoring and alert systems work, can you kind of kind of take us through how those function and how um, the associations partners kind of feed into
2: those? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I guess the first thing to point out is is who we let join the association in, in the first place. You're right; we've grown. Quite a rapid level in recent years, but that's always balanced with only accepting the right operators within the association. So we have a code of conduct that all of our operators must adhere to. We have quite a robust due diligence process as well, because it's important that when you're sharing sensitive information around suspicious activity, that that's been done with, with the right stakeholders. So I guess in effect, that's the first line of defence, as it were. Uh, but once an operator is part of our association, they get access to our, our bespoke web based platform, which can be and Ollie and his his team uh, have access to. And in a nutshell our members share information on unusual and suspicious betting patterns within that platform so we'll provide quite detailed guidelines for them on this but as you'd be aware and your listeners will be aware regulated operators it's very important that they have accurate pricing they have sophisticated risk management systems and that will in effect be the first line of defense they might highlight unusual activity day-to-day activity they can't explain when that's the case they'll generate an alert in our platform and that will lead to a notification to all the other operators, as I say, approaching thirty globally at the moment. And they then indicate firstly, have they seen, so have they offered the same betting markets, and if they have, have they seen similar activity? So although the the alerts themselves don't contain the actual names of suspicious customers, they will contain quite detailed transactional data. So, for example, the location of the accounts, the profile of the accounts, you know, quite detailed explanations as as to what it was that made the operator concerned about this activity and. So once all the responses are in, our role at IBIA is then to review that activity. And the bottom line is what we're trying to establish is can we explain that activity? So as much as our traders will tell us, and I'm sure Ollie's team are the same, that they think they're very uh, knowledgeable and accurate on their market management decisions, they're not 100% right. You know, there will always be times where customers just know a little bit more than the operator, and that's not necessarily an integrity issue. It might just be that they're a, a bit of a sharp customer and able to take advantage of an edge they have. So that's one of the things we'll be looking for. COVID is a good example of that as well. We've had a number of alerts where, on the face of it, it looks fairly really suspicious Actually, when you do a little bit of digging, it may have been perhaps a a not particularly well-known football league and there's been a positive test within the squad and that's led to team changes or a weakened team and, and that may explain the activity. So they would be quite obvious examples, but ultimately what we want to do is get to the level where when we deem an event or an alert suspicious and report that to some of the partners, which we'll cover in a little bit more detail later, that we're as confident as we can be that that's genuine suspicious activity, that when we prepare a report for them, they can be safe in the knowledge that there's been quite a detailed process behind that. And at that point, we would then prepare a report for the likes of UEFA, FIFA, International Tennis Integrity Agency. And we often say that's the start of a wider process of investigation. We're very careful in the language we use. We would never say at that point, this is a fixed event. What we will say is here are suspicious betting patterns on behalf of the regulated sector. Here's why we think they're suspicious. And that then begins a wider process, and I think that's where our code of conduct really kicks in, because we can and do expect all our members then to provide further investigation to allow the partners to investigate further, and that may involve actually the names of suspicious customers, if the relevant data protection legislation can can be satisfied, but also not just the names of customers, as as Oli and his team are, are well versed in. There's a, a real detailed audit trail within the regulated sector. You know, every click of the mouse is recorded, every IP address is recorded. There's a wealth of information, perhaps outside of the names of the customers as well. And that allows the sports or the regulators, law enforcement, whoever's leading on the investigation to go in and hopefully be able to investigate in detail. And ultimately, if wrongdoing has taken place, potential criminality, hopefully that will lead to a successful prosecution or, or sanction as well. And there's numerous examples. Tennis is a good example of this. They've done some great work.
0: Thanks for going into detail on it. It's obviously good to get an overview of how, um, you know, the IBIA works when it comes to this kind of thing. Uh, Ollie, I know uh, canby achieved affiliate membership of the IBIA a couple of years ago now, having obviously supported the association through our operators for a number of years prior. It'd just be good to get your take on, uh, you know, why it's uh, been important to have that membership of the IBIA and then solidify that through affiliate membership. And, you know, how canby works to protect sporting integrity, both as Canby and also in collaboration uh, with the association.
1: Yes, I guess they, we joined a, a couple of years ago now, and, and I guess there's a number of reasons for that. I mean, firstly, we wanted to underline our commitment to integrity as a whole, but also to the organisation, uh, the IBA as well. I think we, we are fully aligned in terms of, of our requirements and what we want to be doing in this area. So it was it was the right thing to do from that perspective. Also, from, from a simple level, we're, we were sharing a lot of information, seeing a lot of things with them, and it's right to get proper full membership to do that, to put the correct promises in place, to be sharing information. But also beyond that, I mean, it's just... We have a few operator partners that can be not all of our, our operators and members, even though I, I would wholeheartedly recommend that everybody who is a regulated operator join the IBA. But we were sitting on probably a lot more information than we could probably really share, I guess. And can be it's great for us to have an outlet, somebody to pass the ball to when we do see something. As much as we'd like to, to advance investigations ourselves, it's it's not our place to be doing that. We just need somebody we can pass that information on to securely. And you know, with our licenses we hold, we we could do that with regulators. But obviously, the regulators are always interested in their particular market primarily, uh, whereas obviously, it can be as a global sports book. It's not always that that clear cut. I mean, I remember back for a while ago, um, luckily things have moved on since this, but um, there was a case where the event took place in one jurisdiction and there were the bets placed in another. And, you know, both regulators and police forces were kind of pointing at each other, kind of saying it's, you know, it's not our problem to investigate. Well, it's great for us to give it to a central organisation like the IBA who really do kind of straddle the industry and, and can coordinate things across sports, regulators, and even law enforcement in a way that, to be honest, it's not the place for Canberra to be doing that kind of stuff. So on that level, there were many reasons for us to be, you know, solidifying our membership day in day out. I guess it's covering a lot of things that Matt's just 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 said there. Really, obviously, we offer, I think, over three hundred thousand events each year, and every single one of those is 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 scanned from an integrity angle uh, by our risk managers, by our traders, and by our sportsbook control teams. For every bet that's placed on the platform, it does go through integrity monitoring. We handle, on average, around about two investigations a, de- a day. You know, that may start internally, they may come from the IBA, they may come from a regulator. The vast majority of those, are, of course, are said to be you know, not suspicious, uh, just a just regular activity. As Matt says, there's there's many things that can make an event or a bet look suspicious, even though once you, uh, you get all the information, it's not the case. But we do a lot of work every day to do this. But when we do see it, something suspicious, like I say, it's, it's good for us to know that we have a a secure place to to escalate it, but also a responsive place. I mean, we we want to know that when we do give the information over to somebody, we you know we, we get an answer. We know that somebody's taking it further. That they they understand our concerns, not just from an integrity angle, but also from a betting angle. Uh, you know, we need people who can translate what we see. You know, for the to law enforcement, who so are not always experts in this area and that's what the IBA can, can give to us uh, so they definitely give us that extra layer of protection that we're looking for as a as a regulated supplier
0: well i mean you've you've touched on it there in terms of the the scale of the canby offering to focus on kind of canby specifically could you kind of just just give the listeners a bit more of an overview and expand on the complexities uh, of offering a, a compliant sports book in markets on uh, on on six continents and, and you know how do we ensure those partners can both launch quickly and also stay compliant
1: yeah as, as you may imagine it's not not too simple every jurisdiction every regulation has got its own uh, own specific rules and probably in terms of the actual sportsbook offering that's where the most of the most but a large part of the complexity lies so in, in in some regulations you can pretty much offer whatever you want really uh, you know as long as it's within the bounds of decency there's no particular filters required to be put in place whereas more and more not just in, in each US jurisdiction, which is popping up, but across particularly Europe as well. There'll need to be a daily filtering of the offering to ensure that you're offering what the regulators say that you can. Some regulators, particularly in the US, will be very prescriptive about that. They'll say you can offer these leagues, these markets within those leagues, and you can't go beyond those boundaries, which requires us putting in place quite a rigid framework of daily monitoring uh, to make sure that we can do that. Another regulator, particularly in Europe, will say you know you can offer... A broad range of leagues and events but you can't offer potentially say events involving under 18 participants which requires a different uh, angle to take a different kind of data mining to ensure compliance and as these kind of regulations have, have really uh, rolled out and and are becoming more and more prevalent uh, prevalent, what we've done in Canby is we, we've looked to automate a large part of that work you know as we said collecting dates of birth of participants and getting it into our system so that we can filter things automatically but also doing that in a way which is G DPR compliant, for example. You know, there's a lot of data to be put into our system. And in the US, building automated structures in place so that, for example, in New Jersey, we can't offer the local college teams there, making sure that that process is automated. It's not a daily thing for a for a single in, individual within Canby to be doing. So, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of work behind it, as, as you may well imagine. But being good at it for Canby, it's uh, it's important to us. It's part of our, of our reputation, really, to, to, to be compliant, to offer suppliers... Ah, uh, to offer our operators uh, a secure service. but also it's it's a competitive advantage really we feel now. I mean, it's something we really push. we We invest a lot into this area, as we said, in terms of actual automation and data mining as well on the compliance side, not just the trading side. Yeah, it's something I think that keeps us ahead of the market. and and particularly as you said in terms of being able to launch, Quickly, it's key. Uh, when a regulator says, you know, th- this is our, our rule book, these are the events that you can offer. Knowing that we can handle and, and and process that rule book day in, day out, without, you know, having to hire an extra 50 staff every time there's a new regulation that kicks in, uh, really helps us uh, take operators to market quickly and securely. Uh, so yeah, it's something we put a lot of work into.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. No, you do get the impression having worked with Canby, you know, myself now for um, for over two years. uh, You you know, I've always had the impression that integrity and compliance are kind of two cornerstones for the business. You know, launching partners quickly and compliantly is sort of a key competitive advantage for Canby. And yeah, working compliance does really seem to be, be absolutely crucial to that. That does seem like a good point at which to draw this episode to a close. Yeah, do stay tuned. We'll be back uh, with a second episode in a couple of days' time, looking at how the IBIA collaborates with its partners, uh, and also how Cambi is working to uh, develop and enhance uh, its work on both the integrity and uh, compliance side. So yeah, as I say, please do uh, keep an eye on our uh, our Twitter, our LinkedIn feed, wherever you um, wherever you check in with Cambi, and we'll be back with a second episode uh, in a couple of days' time. Thanks for listening.